0: Now that we're in the mood, let's celebrate, okay? <laughs> so what are we celebrating? Well, today is the presentation of our Lord in the temple. And so when Simeon sees him, he begins to celebrate because God's promise is now fulfilled. And so we want to look into that a little bit more. And Anna celebrates because she's been waiting for this one who would be the redemption of, of Jerusalem. And so this is a huge, exciting, big day to celebrate, But I want to ask, where are we? So if we look at these quadrants, which one are you in right now? Or are you even on this little uh, page here? So first one, receiving God's promise. In Bible class today, I I handed out a couple of $20 bills. Okay? And you know what? You've got to come to the right Bible class. Did you give out any money this morning? Nope. See? I'm over in that room right over there. No guarantees for next week, all right? So what we did is I handed those out, and you know what really makes people uncomfortable? Receiving money from their pastor. Like, I, well, I don't do, you know, I can't take that from you, blah, 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 okay? And so it's really interesting because it's hard sometimes for us to receive God's promise Simeon was reminded, okay, before you die, I'm going to send the Lord's Christ. He's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And that, if you have heard that term, okay, does that ever confuse you? What's the consolation of Israel? Okay, it's that was promised back in Isaiah. When God says through the prophet Isaiah, "Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. The consolation, the comforts of the people who would be going into exile, who would be enduring. There's comfort coming. And so he's waiting for that ultimate comfort, (coughs) which he celebrates in the Messiah. Now, as we think on that, some of you may be thinking, well, okay, it's hard for me to receive some of his promises, but we'll talk about those in just a minute. I want to go to the next step. Next one is longing for fulfillment. Now what you might be doing today is you might have received those promises and now you're just longing for them to be fulfilled. Okay? Next one. The promise fulfilled. So for years, Simeon waited while God had yet to fulfill that promise. He waited and waited and waited. And finally, Jesus came and God said, the Holy Spirit said, here's the right time, this is the right one, and saw him saw the promise fulfilled and delighted And What happened then? He began to celebrate like cool and the gang. Probably not the same way. Okay, <laughs> And then shared. And he shared not only the joy he had, but he also shared some important message, like a, a, uh, your soul will be pierced too. And he will determine like the fall and the rising of many in Israel. So he celebrates the coming of the Messiah, but also shares some important truths that go along with him. Now for us, I want to I focus, where are you in this? Receiving, longing, promise fulfilled, celebrate and share. Where are you in that process? My hope is that you're kind of moving through that on a regular basis, that you're going through that. Where are you on that map? Okay? Because as you look into that map, it's important to find yourself there because I think sometimes we're not even on the map. When I ask you, what are God's promises that you're clinging to right now, and you give me that blank stare, okay, then you might not actually be on here because you're not longing for anything. Like, like when I say, what are you longing for today? Some of you are saying, for Kansas City or for the 49ers. <laughs> That's not what I mean, okay? Because what we see here is both Simeon and Anna are longing for something bigger than their personal happiness or success? Don't we need the Lord in our lives to open up our minds, our lives, our whole being to something just bigger than our personal plans? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, Simeon is. Anna is delighting in the redemption of Jerusalem. Not just that they have their own little plans made, and things are going well for them. Do we get really nearsighted? Do we only look at ourselves when we think about God's promises and what we're longing for? Sometimes we don't long for anything. We're not receiving any promises. Sometimes we don't long. I want to give you two promises to think about today. One is John 3.16. Would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. What a great promise, right? So, how's that promise? Okay, What do we long for in that promise? What do we long for? Eternal life, that's right. We long for God to fulfill that promise to give us eternal life. So we're longing for that which is yet to come. We have the gift of eternal life already in Christ, but we long for it in its fullness. Is that correct? So how many of you throughout the days are longing for that day to come? (laughs) (laughs) Raise them a little higher. (laughs) Yeah, we're longing for it, aren't we? Are we so busy and so wrapped up with what's happening with our government and our health and all those things that we lose sight of that? You see, Chuck Swindoll wrote one time in his book, Laugh Again, this great little quote, and I want to give it to you. It goes like this. When Christ becomes our central focus, when Christ becomes our central focus, our reason for existence, contentment, Replaces our anxiety as well as our fears and insecurities. That's beautiful. I want to read it to you maybe a couple more times. Listen to what it says. When Christ becomes our central focus, our reason for living existence, then contentment replaces our anxiety as well as our fears and insecurities. And then he delivers three little points. He broadens the dimensions of our circumstances. It's no longer about me and my personal happiness, but about something far bigger. He delivers us from the preoccupation with others. What is everybody else going to think of me? And he calms our fears regarding ourselves and our future because it's all wrapped up in Jesus. And so when he promises, he always keeps his promises. So if I'm living in the truth, that promise and longing for everlasting life, with Christ being my center, okay, then I can long well, and I know that one day Jesus will come, and that promise will be fulfilled. And it allows me then to do something that I, I read about here in Philip Yancey's book. Listen to this. Jesus reveals a God who comes in search of us, a God who makes room for our freedom. A God who is vulnerable. Above all, Jesus reveals a God who is love. Those raised in the Christian tradition may miss the shock of Jesus' message, but in truth, love has never been a normal way of describing what happens between human beings and their God. Not only does the Quran apply, I'm sorry, not once does the Quran apply the word love to God. Aristotle stated bluntly, it would be eccentric for anyone to claim that he loved Zeus, or that Zeus loved a human being, for that matter. In dazzling contrast, the Christian Bible affirms, God is love, and cites love as the main reason Jesus came to earth. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. I remember, Philip says, <laughs> I remember a long night sitting in O'Hare Airport, waiting impatiently for a flight that was delayed for five hours. A friend, the author Karen Maines, happened to be traveling to the same conference. I was writing the book Disappointment with God at the time, and I felt burdened by other people's pains and sorrows, doubts, and unanswered prayers. Karen listened to me in silence for a very long time, and then out of nowhere she asked a question that has always stayed with me. Philip, do you ever just let God love you? Speak your first name into your head. Do you ever just let God love you? Or do we fill our lives and our space and our time and everything with so many distractions and so many things I've got to watch the pregame and the postgame along with the game and every single commercial because it's Super Bowl Sunday and I've got to do all this other stuff and get all this other work done and I've just got to fill my life with everything because silence and just being by myself and thinking about (coughs) this is way too scary. Do you ever let Jesus just love you? She said that. It's pretty important, I think. I realized with a start that she had brought to light a gaping hole in my spiritual life. For all my absorption in the Christian faith, I had missed the most important message of all. The story of Jesus is the story of a celebration, a story of love. It involves pain and disappointment, yes, for God as well as for us. But Jesus embodies the promise of a God who will go to any length, To get his family back. Are you celebrating the love that God has for you as you live in that love and sharing it with those around you? Are you aware of that love for God so loved you and the rest of the world that He gave His only Son that we now have the hope, the promise of eternal life as we trust in Jesus? Are you on the map? And are you moving around that map, rejoicing, longing, recognizing that one day it will come true, and then just celebrating what you are going to have one day in full I, I shared this with the Bible class, and it's just so much fun. At the seminary, he talked about um, all those guys in there, and we, if we give our girlfriends or our wives a, a little box of chocolates, and then what we do is that we, we give her a little box of chocolates and say, now this is just a little tiny gift in anticipation of the train load of chocolates that are coming your way. But you know, all the joys that we have and the experiences of love at the table and, and beyond that we have with Jesus now, okay, is just a little sign of the trainload that's coming. You are so loved. Amen? Not at the end of the sermon, sorry. I freaked you out there. <laughs> The next one, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Okay? Jesus says this, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, you're lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay? So, in the middle of this, making disciples, oh no, that sounds scary, doesn't it? Or <laughs> I don't know what in the world I'm doing, right? Disciple making, that's for a pastor to do. Not the rest of us, okay? But it's actually... The job for all of us to make disciples as we follow Jesus, to invite others to follow along with us. And it sounds scary, except for God makes a promise. You know what that promise is? And lo, I am with you. How many of you are going through life solo? That's right. None of you. We are going through it with you the one who's in control. And when we think we don't know what we're doing to extend out this good news to the other Gentiles, we being some of them, we want to remember that God makes a promise and he's, we long for the fulfillment of that promise to feel that truth so we might go with confidence because it's already fulfilled, right? Is Jesus with us? Yes. You know what a great thing Jesus does today? He meets with us here at the table. And he says, let that make a difference as you live forgiven and you go and share my truth with those around you. I know I'm reading a lot to you today. Today, There's just some great things to read and I'll tell you to bring a pillow next time since it's bedtime stories. (laughs) But I want you to hear this as well. This is out of the book, Joining Jesus on His Mission. So we think about reaching out, about sharing what we know as we celebrate. This is from Greg Finke. For many years, my family and I lived in Bullock Creek, Michigan, just outside the town of Midland. Our home was on a small hobby farm. It once had been a working farm established in 1910. Over the years, though, different owners, the original acreage had been sold off. By the time we bought it in 1992, it was down to five acres. But it was just right for us. Folks called it the Finky Farm. One of the things we loved about living on the Finky Farm was the big old trees, in our front yard was an old apple tree that had been producing apples in that spot for many decades. Having grown up in Houston, Texas, I didn't know much about apple trees. But here's what I found out. Apples would form on the tree in early summer. It wouldn't be long before they were fully formed and turning red. However, if I tried to pick an apple too early in the season, it simply would refuse to let go of the branch. In fact, more often than not, before the apple would allow itself to be picked, The twig it was on would snap. I would end up with an apple in my hand and six inches of twig still attached to it. What was the problem? The apples simply were not ready. Now contrast that with my experience in fall. I would be mowing the grass around my apple tree, and all it would take is a light breeze to cause the apples to start raining down on my head. What was the difference? The apples were now ready. Here's the mission lesson. If people are not ready, if Jesus who goes with us has not prepared them, it's almost impossible to pick them. But once they are ready, they'll come looking for you. With the apple tree, I had no way to hurry the ripening process along. All I could do was check on their progress from time to time and be ready when they were finally ripe. The same is true for people. Our job is not to try and hurry people along in the ripening process. Jesus is in charge of ripening people. Our job is to watch for people who are ripe. What would happen in your life and mine if we actually lived that truth? If we knew he was with us, going before us, preparing the way for us, and we just walked with him and, and were available for the when the, tr- when the apples fell, we could do something about it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that make evangelism much less scary? Wouldn't it be fun to do life with Jesus? Oh, that's right, we do. <laughs> Promise fulfilled. Then it goes on to say this like Eddie did with his friend Mike. I met Eddie and Mike during one of our Dwelling 114 missional trainings in central Louisiana. When they heard me talking about ripe apples and ripe people, they wanted to tell me their story. Eddie and Mike had met years ago when they were police officers. Mike was tall and a natural leader. Eddie was shorter and the funny guy. They both played on the department basketball team and enjoyed hanging out with each other. Eddie knew Jesus' grace. Mike didn't. Mike grew up hearing of God's condemnation and was convinced he was too far gone for heaven to be an option. Mike was thoughtful and a man of honest integrity. When he did the math, he knew he was left out of heaven. So when Eddie would offer Jesus from time to time, Mike would say, No thanks, there's not much there for me. Eddie wouldn't push it. He was Mike's friend, even if Mike did not yet want his Jesus. Then one day it was time All of a sudden, for no apparent reason, it was the Holy Spirit's day to get a hold of Mike. Like the Holy Spirit was always a hold of Simeon. Everything suddenly clicked. The light went on spiritually. And when that happened, who did Mike immediately think to go to? His friend, Eddie. Mike knew that Eddie knew about Jesus. And because Eddie hadn't been pushing Mike, but had been a friend to Mike, it was the most natural thing in the world for Mike to go to his friend when he was ready. Today, Eddie and Mike are still good friends, but now they are on a new adventure together, the adventure of Jesus' redemptive mission. Mike is in the process of becoming a pastor. He's a natural leader. And Eddie, he's still the funny one and still looking for people who are ready. You see, if we go with Jesus and not for him, then we'll let Jesus inspire us, give us wisdom. You know, we don't always get to do the harvesting, right? Sometimes we get... to do the gardening or the planting. Maybe what we do is we just ask somebody a right question. Like, help me understand that some more. Um, Greg Kokel, I think it is, he had a young man who said, can you recommend a book for me because I've got a Buddhist friend I want to talk to about Jesus. And he said, don't buy a, a book. Ask your Buddhist friend what he believes. And that's the gardening. That's the planting Where are you on that list? Are you receiving God's promise that He's with you? Are you longing for that to be more and more real in your life so that you can actually enjoy it when it happens and then celebrate His presence with you as you go to love others? Well, that's my hope. Where are you? Well, I hope today you're celebrating. And I hope you're celebrating the presentation of our Lord because one thing about this I didn't explain to you yet, and that is this. When they brought Jesus to the temple, do you know why they did it? I know Don does because he's went to the seminary. Okay, the rest of you, do you know why? It was part of the law. You know what? When they came out of Egypt, okay? The firstborn was slain throughout Egypt. And so God pronounced, "Every firstborn is mine." And so if they wanted, so what they had to do is they had to redeem the firstborn. So they're bringing Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord and to redeem him. That's what the the two birds, that's what the birds are for. okay? Because they're poor, they can't afford anything more. So they redeem their son, so they have him back as their own. They've, They've paid the price. But isn't it so interesting that the one they paid the price for there is the one who would one day be the Lamb of God who paid the price for them, for all, so that Israel, so that Jerusalem, so that you and I could be redeemed to God and comforted by him. the one whose presentation we celebrate today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, All the promises that God has made to us are yes in Jesus. Amen.